Good morning. Good morning. If you walk on dusty roads all day in open-toed sandals, what are your feet going to be like at the end of the day? Dirty. Not very nice. In the reading for today, Jesus kneels and washes the feet of each of his disciples, even the one who's going to betray him. Do you know what the occasion is? What happens next? Last Supper. The Last Supper, and what happens next? Jesus is crucified. The crucifixion. Thank you. Jesus has been leading and teaching his disciples for three years, and now, at the end of his time with them, before he gives his life for them, he kneels and washes their feet. This story with the crucifixion that follows is the most powerful example in the Christian tradition of leadership as an act of love, of service, and of sacrifice. Please take a moment to think about people you know in leadership positions who approach leadership this way, as an act of love. I cannot think of many examples at all on the national or international level, but here at camp, here at camp I see lots of examples all around me, both in campers and in counselors. <clears throat> I lived for a week this spring with a baby turkey. My son Isaiah raises all kinds of baby animals that have no other hope. So when his friends found this newly hatched turkey chick in the middle of the road, literally on the street, with no adult anywhere in sight, they brought the chick to him. Isaiah already had a red squirrel the size of his thumb. It weighed less than 15 grams, about, about the same weight as three nickel coins. And he had to feed it every three hours. So he passed the chick along to me. She really was newly hatched, too. I could tell because she still had her egg tooth that she used to kind of fight her way out of the egg, firmly attached to the end of her little tiny bill. Isaiah bought this chick a 40-pound bag of chick food, <laughs> which, which she refused to eat. Um, so I knew she could live. I tried feeding her earthworms, but she wouldn't eat those either. I knew she could live for about a day on the yolk stored in her body. But I was getting worried about her because I didn't know when she had hatched out. So where would you go to find out how to teach a baby turkey to eat? Where would you go? YouTube. YouTube, absolutely. <laughs> YouTube has all the answers. So the YouTube guy said to teach her to peck with my finger like this. And to teach her how to drink in a similar way. And believe it or not, she started eating small earthworms and pieces of larger earthworms. She never really got the hang of, of drinking, but I would dip her bill in the water and then she would swallow, so that worked out okay. But I'd like you to think with me for a second about the miraculousness of a tiny baby bird that's just come out of his eggshell and is able to learn something as fundamental as eating with a symbolic gesture like that. It's amazing. So in fact, is this turkey feather. That's an amazing thing. And I encourage you to be open to the miraculous around you. To keep her warm, I put her in the pocket of my Pasquani hoodie sweatshirt, just like this one. 
and I kept her in that pocket for a whole week. The whole week she was in there, she never pooped in there once. That's miraculous in itself. And she rode around in there for hours at a time while I was teaching classes at school, going to assembly, and supervising labs. Now, I wear a collar shirt like this and a tie every day to classes, and when I showed up in a hoodie, you might have thought the students would say, hmm, Mr. Chisholm has gotten even weirder than usual. Mm -hmm. Or they would notice some sounds or something, but no, they didn't see or hear the chick. Most, about 70% of them never noticed that she was there. Again, <laughs> be aware, be open to the possibility, the miraculous. From time to time, she got a little cold in the pocket because she would stand up straight and stretch her legs as tall as she could, as if she were trying to get close to me and as if she were sheltering under the wings of her mother, trying to get close to that heat source. When the weather was warm and I had free periods, I would take Laurel, the chick, for walks in the woods and scrape away leaves from the dirt so that she could find bugs and worms to eat. She began following me almost immediately, the classic imprinting response from a baby precultural bird that is ready to follow as soon as she hatches out. Not like these robins that are born all naked and blind and all that kind of stuff ready to go. As Jack would have found with his baby quail, if they had hatched, sorry Jack, <laughs> they will follow anything that is large and dark and doesn't eat them. Laurel and I would walk along and she'd kind of cruise off under the plants on either side of the path, peeping the whole way so I could keep track of her because I certainly couldn't see her. When she found a worm that was too big or active to swallow and worms wriggle like crazy as soon as they get touched, I think they're trying to deter hungry birds. She'd pick it up and shake her head violently and incredibly, I'm talking supersonically quickly from side to side and just shake that thing to pieces, both to subdue it and to kind of fragment it into pieces she could swallow. And when our wood time was over, I'd lead the way back down the path <coughs> to the science building and she'd run along peeping behind me the whole way back. These peeps were not distressed peeps. They were more like, here I am, here I am, peeps. At night, the chick slept in the cardboard box in my room with a heat lamp on her, and this stuffed elephant to keep her warm as her cozy <coughs> buddy. Now, I would never have thought to buy a newborn turkey chick, a well, cozy stuffed elephant, but Isaiah did. He's that kind of a person. Anyway, um, The heat lamp kept me awake a little bit with its red light, but I'm, things were okay until the sixth night when she refused to go to sleep and kept making these loud distress peeps. Eventually, I couldn't take it anymore, so I picked her up and took her into bed with me, which was ridiculous, because I was trying to get some sleep, but I was so worried I was going to crush her that I didn't sleep much at all. On the other hand, she was fine. She went right to sleep and didn't beep anymore the rest of the night. Of course, as you can tell, while she was imprinting on me, I was imprinting on her. I loved watching her move around, exploring the woods. I loved watching her flight feathers grow because you can almost watch them grow. Turkey chicks can fly at two weeks of age and they just, their wing feathers just go blah. Um, no sound effect. And I loved listening to all of her communication with me. On the evening of the seventh day, she was in a pocket like this one, the same place she always was, in the kitchen when somebody moved toward me, and that might have frightened her, I don't know why, but she, she jumped out of the pocket and hit the floor pretty hard, 
I picked her up and she seemed okay, but she wouldn't eat anymore and just made these very soft tipping sounds. She was still alive at 1 a.m. and at 3 a.m. that night when I checked on her, but at 6 a.m. she was dead. So I buried her in the woods where she loved to run around. Of course she died. Young orphan animals almost always do, except I have to say Pickle the Squirrel is going strong. He's going to get released today, and he's going to go terrorize the squirrels wherever he goes. Um, once she got separated from her mother, she didn't have a chance. But she didn't know that, and the life force was strong in her. Even if she had lived long enough, long enough to grow out her flight feathers, how was I going to introduce her to the family of turkeys that live on our little farm? If I had raised her to adulthood and tried to turn her loose, she might well have walked up to strangers who would think they were being attacked or who were turkey hunters. In one very real sense, I was stupid to try to help her. Since the odds of a successful outcome for her were so very, very long. But she was a tiny day old chick when she came to me and I was the only chance she had. I just couldn't turn away and let her die. And I loved getting to know her. I would try to foster her again in a heartbeat, even knowing how things were going to end. By living with her and caring for her, I learned a lot about the instincts with which baby turkeys leave the egg, about how turkey chicks develop physically and mentally, and how they form emotional bonds with other beings, usually turkeys. When she died, I missed all those things. But I'm, what I missed most was her presence and the long, quiet moments of delight that we shared walking in the woods together. She reminded me to look for the moments of beauty, those moments of miracle, those moments of deep, shared happiness. Please look at your chapel partner. Take a good, long look. Now look at the boy or man on your other side. And the one in front of you, and the one behind you, each one of these people is like a turkey chick. We all need food, warmth, plenty of that today, shelter and company to survive. I hope that you're on good terms with everyone in this community and there's nobody that you would, if you had the power, choose to deprive of food and let starve to death. But we nourish each other in other ways that are <coughs> almost as important and that we're a lot less careful about. Mr. Vinny has emphasized kindness all summer long. And I think we've done a pretty good job, though sadly not a perfect one, of creating a kind community where we all feel safe to be ourselves. There's a difference, however, be between being kind to somebody in a I'm nice to everybody way and showing that person that you actively like, appreciate, enjoy, and celebrate him or her just for being who or he or she is just for that nugget of personhood that sits at the core of each of us. Please think with me about what our camp community could be like if we encouraged and celebrated everyone, and not the just the special few people that we call close friends. In such a community, each of us would know that all the people around us care for us, appreciate, appreciate our differences, and hope for the best for us. We could let down the defenses that we use to keep people at a distance. We could know other people and be known by them. To get closer to such a community, we're going to need to practice some difficult skills, the skills of loving widely and of opening up. To love widely 
We must learn to look at each person around us as a miracle who has entered our lives for a little while and who has infinite worth and infinite beauty. This skill is not an easy one to learn and I'm far from mastering it. But when I look around me at camp, I see people who deeply, genuinely appreciate and affirm each person they meet through the day. Those people are an inspiration and an example for all of us because they hope for and expect the best from each of us and constantly encourage us to be our best. Opening up means letting other people around us get to know us and is risky because they may reject or make fun of us. But opening up is also the only way that other people can get to know us. I encourage you to take that risk. Last night's talent show and skits were terrific examples of what I'm talking about. We had all kinds of campers and counselors up there on stage sharing parts of themselves with us and the com community took deep delight in supporting and applauding each person and his act. The acts and the camp response were beautiful and brought us together in a powerful <coughs> way that we could all feel and that lingers still like the gift that it was, like the small miracle that it was. When you look at the camp as a group of talented, interesting, unique individuals, each with tremendous and surprising talents and potentials, then you become happy to serve them in all kinds of ways. Picking up trash, cleaning up mem hall trouble spots, dealing with, with whatever problems arise are just the things we do for people we genuinely care about, as is listening to whatever they want to tell us. And as more and more people adopt this approach to camp and to each other, the power of the community grows. Our shared affection and support for each other grows and grows and grows. We have three weeks left in a wonderful season. Three weeks from, that, from today, this chapel will be filled with crying people hugging each other goodbye. Let's make the absolute most of this time together by affirming and encouraging all the people around us all the time. We have no time for being mean to each other. When you see or hear meanness, please step up and stop it. When you feel irritation rising in you because of something another person's doing, stop and think about how lucky we are to get to spend this time, this precious shrinking time, <coughs> with each other in this beautiful place. Look at your hands. Well, seriously, look at your hands. They can do anything, and they have learned new skills this summer. Good! There are other, more important, life-changing skills to learn here at camp. The skills of listening well, of trying hard to understand another person, and of supporting and affirming every single person we're lucky enough to share time with in our days here. As one of our tree talks reminded us, we have a lot of practice hoping for the best from ourselves and forgiving ourselves. Learning to do so for others shouldn't be too hard. Pasquale is the best community I've ever known for working on these skills. See what you can do with them. Build the habits of being kind, of looking for good in everyone, and of being your true self, the one you deeply want to become.